0: Hey everybody welcome to The Survival Show podcast, special edition with Craig and me David and our special guest Creek Stort. Where it's our job to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency or disaster and show you how to use the lessons you learn today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Creek and Craig, how are you guys doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. It's good to be here with you guys. <laughs> fantastic we <laughs> <laughs> want you tell you tell everybody what you're laughing about david
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we are an hour and a half maybe an hour and 45 minutes into trying to do this on video and audio for our youtube audience for the first time and if you're over in our audio podcast audience you can go over and see us if you like over at ultimate survival tips youtube but man we've had a lot of problems i just want to keep moving forward and i don't want to i don't want to Mess anything up, so Craig, why don't you keep us moving forward, and we'll get into this great content we're going to talk about today.
2: All right, guys and gals, our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ, so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you are now at the beginning. David and I have been discussing COVID nineteen like many people have, and what we thought would do, what we thought we would do, is gather a bunch of questions that we've been getting, and. Uh, just throw them out here for Creek, myself and David, and see what we can come up with as far as answers as best we can. Uh, we hope that there's going to be a diverse group of answers here. We can all work together and come up with solutions. You know, we've, we've had a lot of questions. Man, I've had a lot of questions. You know, we've had questions ranging from masks, what we should get, what we should not get. Uh, things such as, do, you, do I think that our constitutional rights are being eroded currently? As well as, is there going to be a new normal and what that new normal might look like? So that's just a, <clears throat> a highlight look at some of the questions we're going to be getting into today. So go ahead, David, run with it. All right, everybody. So before
0: we get into this, we have two sponsors today. We have tinysurvival.com. You can pick up tiny survival guides, tiny survival cards there. We do still have stock. We're running low on guides on Amazon, but we do have some in here in-house and... Our newest sponsor is the Outdoor Core or Outdoorcore.com. So for training, discovery, educational hobbies, family crafts, literally anything outdoor oriented, go over to outdoorcore.com. Craig's got some courses up there and our special guest today, Creek Stewart, is the founder of Outdoor Core. It's fantastic. Creek, I'm amazed. I am surprised. It's fantastic what's going on over there. You want to just take a couple of seconds here and tell people a little bit about outdoor corp
1: yeah i think you're just saying all that because i'm on here
0: (laughs) (laughs) it Um, is really fantastic it's great
1: yeah we're having we're having a really good time craig's got a few courses on there already um i have a few courses and what it is is just an out an online outdoor skills training platform uh, gives a platform to outdoor skills instructors to create an online course that is um, certainly a part of our future and um, it gives them a platform to teach those courses to students from all over the world um, and it's it's any skill related to the outdoors we've got chainsaw carvers working on courses and um, survival courses and outdoor art courses and um, wild edible courses and everything in between stand up paddle boarding courses coming online so all kinds of all kinds of stuff on there all kinds of fun outdoor activities
0: that's awesome and creek just real quick we've got a or you've got a 14 day quarantine summit going on there you want to just spend 30 seconds. Tell everybody about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's called the 14 day quarantine outdoor skills summit. And the idea was for 14 days straight during the quote quarantine with this whole COVID-19 mess that uh, we would bring some outdoor skills education to people in their homes, 14 different instructors, 14 totally different courses, about a 30 minute course every day for 14 days. Um, And it's discounted. Uh, during that 14-day period. We're gonna keep the course live afterwards, but it's gonna be at a higher price. And there are some really unique courses in there, how to make knives from nails, Uh, Craig is doing an animal tracks course, some outdoor art courses, just some really, really unique courses in there from 14 different outdoor skills instructors.
0: Well, that's really great, Creek. and I have a course on there that is how to make a foolproof bow drill kit from junk in your basement and a shot glass. So, everybody go over to Outdoor Core, check that out. And, Creek, I'd like you to think about this during this podcast, and we'll announce it at the end. But by the time we get this podcast up and the video over on YouTube, the uh, special for the 14 days is going to be expired because I think you're at day like 9 or 10 or 11. Yeah. And. So is there any way that we could extend to this audience in particular, some sort of a discount, not to put you on the spot? Early. oh,
1: Absolutely. Put me on the spot. I can come up with a coupon code right now. So let's do survival show 14. And that will take the price down to its current discounted price. Survival show 14. Nice. Great.
0: Thanks for doing that. Creek. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Craig, you're ready to get into this let's do it all right everybody you guys that are regular listeners to the survival show podcast you we've had Creek on many times and Craig is Craig and I kick things back and forth he's famous for the manly musings and co-hosting the regular podcast here but For our folks on YouTube, they may not be as familiar with you guys. So Craig, could you maybe start out, give a little bit, a little short backstory, your connection between me and Creek, and then uh, Creek, if you could do the same thing just to introduce yourself to our YouTube audience.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. I'm Craig Cottle, director of Nature Reliance School in Winchester, Kentucky, where we teach hands-on and online coursework in survival bushcraft, tracking, uh, land navigation. I'm an author of three books, as well as co-author with David on the Tiny Survival Guide. And so my connection with David, I invited him down to an advanced survival course that I was teaching. How long ago was that, David? You remember? That was many moons ago. Craig,
0: I'm going to say that yeah, was, that was a long time probably ago. 16, 2016.
2: Okay, cool. So David came down. uh, We hit it off pretty well, been connected. Then we started teaching some coursework in Pennsylvania together, along with our good buddy Clint. And uh, I'm now one of the, as Creek mentioned earlier, one of the instructors at Outdoor Core as well for online coursework. We've got edible medicinal plants, edible medicinal trees, winter tree identification. Uh, We're part of the 14-day quarantine summit as well. Again, as Creek mentioned, tracking, my favorite subject of all subjects. So yeah, good to be here.
1: Well, I've, uh, I'm a wilderness survival. My name's is Creek Stewart I'm a wilderness survival instructor. I've been teaching courses for a little over 20 years and I've spent the last 10 years just trying to be as cool as Craig and David. And that pretty much sums <laughs> up my entire career. <laughs> I, um, I do a lot of things in the survival industry. Um, uh, but my favorite thing to do is teach wilderness survival skills and connect with people. And um, I'm super excited to be on here today with two of my favorite survival like-minded people in the industry.
0: Creek, I just have to step up because you were you were very uh, humble in your introduction to yourself. Creek's Creek's had a, a few shows. Can you just talk briefly about the shows? And that he's also the founder of Apaco Box. A lot of you guys are going to be familiar with that.
1: Sure. I've, uh, I've done a few things on TV. I hosted a show called fat guys in the woods for a couple of seasons on the weather channel. And I'm currently hosting a show called SOS how to survive on the weather channel that uh, covers real life past survival stories. And we find the teaching moments in those stories, uh, getting ready to, I would be in Canada filming season four right now, if it weren't for this whole COVID-19 travel ban and stay at home and, um, so I am. Uh, I'm not currently filming. Waiting for that to be lifted to go up to Canada and film season four. And um, like uh, David said, I have a subscription survival box called Apaca Box that ships every uh, every other month. And that's something that I've run and I've owned for gosh, going on six years, something like that. I've I've lost track.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. I've done a few reviews on Apako Box. It's it's fantastic, and Creek's also an author, uh, best-selling author of a few books. And I would call you a prolific author. Not only does he do books, I think you. I don't yeah. know. I lost track. I mean, yeah. it's over ten. It's like thirteen or fourteen. And then you have the little guides that yeah. come out in the Apako Box that you offer, and there's like twenty of those. Um,
1: what's your best-selling book, Creek? Uh, best-selling book is probably my first book that I ever, um, well, I self-published a book when I was in college <laughs> on survival that that was an awful book. But um, my first legitimate book was Build the Perfect Bug Out Bag, um, which is always applicable. And that's probably mm-hmm. my best-selling book to date. Um, but I saw a lot of pocket field guides that are single subject uh, skills guides. and um, But Build the Perfect Bug Out Bag is just like, every Every time you think it's going to stop selling, something awful happens in the world, and it ramps right back up.
0: It's really good, Thank you, Craig and Creek. So let's jump into these questions here. So here's a question. I've heard a lot about wearing masks, about not wearing masks. I see people on t v and other countries wearing masks. We're not doing it here. I've heard a lot of conflicting reports that they don't help you if you are not sick. Uh, what do you guys think about it? why don't we uh, why don't we start with who wants to start Craig Creek? Um, I'll, I can
1: go ahead. Craig. I can start on that one. You know, oh, yeah. uh, I'm you, you know, aside from the fact that masks have been limited um, in availability for the people on the front lines who need them the most. Um, that point aside, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of wearing of wearing a mask, you know, especially for the people who are high risk, uh, the people who have pre existing health conditions and um, are of an age that make them put them in a high risk category. So I don't think that anyone would argue that wearing a mask can help you um, can at least limit uh, the chances of you potentially contracting this virus. Um, there's, I mean, irrefutable evidence to suggest that it will. There's a reason why people in the healthcare industry wear these masks, and that is so that their li- their risk is limited. So if... Um, if you have a concern about, uh, contracting this virus, when you go into public around people right now, when, when this thing is really spreading, I think, I think it's totally, I, I, I would be a huge proponent of wearing a mask, um, whether it's an improvised one or one that you might have pulled out of your bug out bag or something like that. If you don't have one already, you're probably not going to get one. Uh, but there's a lot of improvised masks that you can use and, um, and so for that reason, I mean, I'm a, I'm a proponent of wearing it, especially for high-risk individuals.
2: I think I would mirror that for the most part. Uh, the, the one thing that keeps coming up in this discussion, and Creek just mentioned it, is that for those that are immunocompromised in any way, shape, or form, then wearing a mask is certainly a good thing to do. And considering the fact that we still have the issue of possible regular flu harming people, And getting people sick, that then makes you an immunocompromised person, which means that if you had the regular flu or you had bronchitis or you had some sort of other infection, then you get COVID-19, then you are then one of those people that's immunocompromised with COVID-19. So anything that we can do to negate some of the regular things that are going around in the air anyway, then yeah. Uh, CDC is saying it's not a big deal. That's their official position as of this morning, that it's not a big deal to wear a and They don't feel like it really helps with the small particulates of COVID-19. But again, I, I get a sit rep from the state government here in Kentucky every day and talk to one of the guys at the Mercy Operations Center every day. And he's saying they're probably going to start recommending everybody wear masks within two days, three days. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. My wife, Karen,
0: was just out at the store for some essentials.
2: And she said, I
0: asked her if anybody was wearing masks. And she said probably about 25% of the staff.
1: Yeah, at the I'm, I'm definitely work. seeing more people mm-hmm. wearing masks just in general.
2: Hey, let me tell you a terrible, terrible story. I think it's worthwhile of consideration with this. Some of these questions are going to come up in a minute too, is that when this all first kicked off, my daughter is type one diabetic. So we typically wear masks nearly all the time when there's possibility of any sickness, just because she's, she is one of those people that's immunocompromised right. and my wife happened to go out into the grocery wearing her mask. Cause she had been with, this is real early on and she had several people come up to her in the grocery store and start coughing on her. One guy actually spit on her at her feet as if, you know, he, she's causing some sort of problem by wearing a mask. And it really struck me hard how people feel very different about this particular situation that we're in and how dangerous it could be. I mean, if it was, you know, Fortunately, her solution for what could be an assault is to leave. And she, so she did, but that, uh, that could have been an ugly situation just by wearing a mask. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, I'm just saying some people feel that that is a threat for some reason. Mm. I don't understand why. And so it's just one of those things, like always, we talk about situational awareness all the time on this show, but when, With a mask, without a mask, somebody's going to be offended. (laughs) I mean, you can't make everybody happy, so just be ready. Yeah,
0: Culturally, it's really a new thing for us here in the U.S. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just, I'm checking the news here as you guys are talking, and it it says uh, that the White House is expected to recommend Americans wear cloth masks. This is an interesting topic because it. In every news report I've I've checked out today on video, et cetera, they're saying that, you know, people can improvise masks. And I understand that they don't want people to try and start hitting the system and trying to buy, like, the N95 masks. So it, it's really interesting because we've been told since the beginning that a mask doesn't really help protect you. And I think we've discussed that sufficiently here. And, Craig, we've talked about that in the past also. Mm-hmm. Right, but I I think we should just esp- expect to be seeing a lot of people wearing masks, and um, you know this is a curious thing because I have a few N95 masks here, and I, you know just for our personal use, and you know people are saying they're talking about these cloth masks now, and it, I, I guess it was my understanding, and I don't I don't want people to fear or anything, but it was my understanding that. With the N95 masks, they have they they filter out 95% of particulate matter, which is is going to be do, do a pretty good protection with this this whole COVID virus thing. I was just listening to Doctor Oz, and he said they're finding out that there's receptors on the tip of your nose, on the inside tip of your nose, that make it so when people just breathe or talk, the those receptors the COVID virus is prone to, however those receptors work, allow the virus to get into your system. So thus the the whole mask orientation that we're moving towards. I don't know if you guys have any suggestions or thoughts about the N95 masks uh, versus doing a homemade mask and, and any recommendations there would be helpful to people.
1: Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts on that for sure. So, um, I, I mean, I would... I would speculate that the reason they're recommending cloth mask is because N95s aren't available. If N95s were available, they'd be recommending N95 masks because they're absolutely better and provide a better protection against just a standard cotton mask or bandana. Um, They can't really recommend something that's not available, so they're recommending something that is um, you can't, you can't buy an N95 mask right now. In fact, you can't even find them listed on Amazon They've, all the listings have been removed. That's the last time I checked. Um, mm-hmm. they are not available back when this whole COVID-19 thing started, I had an idea to actually put uh, kind of a COVID-19 protection pack in my April box, which which ships here in a couple of weeks. And so I called um, one of the big mask suppliers that um, that supplies me with mask in the past. And he's a rep that works at one of the largest N95 mask manufacturers in the world. And he said, they're gone. They're gone. All stock is depleted. They can't keep up with manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You can't order any. And I was going to order like three or four thousand of them. I thought that was a big order. I thought he'd be excited about that but he was telling me about orders for in the millions that they will never be able to fill. And wow. so, I mean, they can't very well recommend something that's not available. So they're recommending something that is a, you know, that is a, you know, the best substitute that people are going to be able to get their hands on. And that's just fabric basically.
2: Yeah. I would, uh, I would echo that completely. Uh, David mentioned 95% for N95s and cloth. You know, I I looked it up this morning when we were talking about doing this podcast and cloth mask is showing around zero percent for viral contamination. So you've got to have this. I've seen some some drawings and videos and even one from an epidemiologist who talked about a cloth mask and actually doubling it up. I mean, it, it just it's really dependent upon what your goals are. And again, the goal there is to protect possibly you from getting other illnesses. Because the viral contamination's just not gonna it's not even gonna slow down with a cloth mask, so um uh, that was that was the recommendation that the cdc's putting out at least and an
1: interesting thing about the n ninety five is not only its filtration, which I believe is 0. 0.3 microns, but it's also a, it's fit so it's it fits snugly on the face over the brim of the nose. Um, and has a pretty good seal so that you're not pulling air in around that mask. It's all coming kind of through that mask. And that's a really important factor when wearing a mask. And a lot of improvised cloth masks, right. they're not, they're really not fitted. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in the past yeah. week or so working on a few prototypes of cloth masks. Um, I'm featuring one in a, a different subscription service I offer called Survival Skill of the Month Club for April. but. Um, there are a few really interesting patterns that are kind of circling around online. One of the most interesting is from the university of Pennsylvania back during the, um, during the bird flu in 2006, they came up with a really interesting prototype, um, that you can find. I think if you probably search university of Pennsylvania, um, improvised fabric mask in Google, you might be able to find it, but it's one of the best I've seen.
0: That's great guys. So I have a question
1: because a lot of our listeners,
0: are probably prepared and they may have N95 masks at home. Let's just say that somebody was prepared and they bought a box of 10 like three years ago. Should they feel guilty going out in public with those N95 masks or should they donate them to their local hospital? What do you guys think?
2: Well, I think the big thing right now that seems to be the recommendation from at least what I'm hearing in our state of Kentucky as well as on the federal level is just stay at home and don't go out. And I think we need to do that. I I think we need to do that as much as we possibly can and only go out when we have to. There's some valid reasoning behind, you know, the whole idea of flattening the curve and all that goes along with it. So, you know, if you're going to go out and you have an N95 mask, then I would use it. I mean, you've got it. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those questions you have to, it's a moral dilemma more than anything is that do you utilize what you have? I've got some too. I'd, Put some away for just such an occasion, but um, it's one of those things where I'm doing everything I can so I don't have to use it at all by just staying at home. I think that's that's a big help to this this problem is just staying at home. Now, I don't
1: think really the, I don't think people who have um, some mask in storage should be feel guilty at all for wearing those masks. That's what they bought them for. You know, they didn't buy them to sit on a shelf. They bought them to use them just in case they ever had to use them. And you know, that's the reward of thinking about you know, of preparedness, of thinking about these things in advance is that you have these tools on hand when you most need them. That's the entire point. And, you know, 10 is different from 10,000, you know, and it's very likely these, these masks have a lifetime, you know, eight, eight hours is typically the recommended life of one of these N95 and R95 masks. And even a P95, which is, which is an oil proof mask. I mean, that's a 40, I think a 40 hour life, and so these is these aren't like lifetime use masks. You know, if you wear this mask all day long in a high risk environment, you need to throw that mask away and use a new mask the next day. So having 10 on hand for someone who's going into frontline type environments or going to the grocery store, or especially if you're high risk or old, you know, having 10 on hand isn't that many.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Next question.
0: And Craig, you had put this one down, so I'm going to let you leave this one off. Do you think the December cough could have been the coronavirus?
2: Yeah, I pulled this one right out of my my Nature Reliance School Facebook group. We got several people in there that asked this question because there were several people in January or maybe even December timeframe that had this very aggressive cough, uh, dry cough, maybe some other symptoms, and... uh, and there's one of these rumor mills that's running around social media saying, hey, they had the coronavirus back then. And so I posed the question. I've got a really fantastic group of people in that group. And there's about three docs in there. One of them happens to be an epidemiologist. And and um, so the the consensus between the healthcare professionals professionals, number one, is that they've been scratching their head about that particular sickness ever since it came out but they're confident that it's not COVID-19. They don't really know what it was. Um, What they said, three different docs that are on there that are like general practitioners stated that they tested for flu and it came back negative, but that it didn't fit the bill of what is coming out now that is COVID-19 either. And so they just think it was an actual separate bug, something else that was going around. And I don't want, I mean, a lot of people think they've already had it. And that's, that's really not the case, really. Or at least, you know, that's a small uh, sample of docs for sure, but uh, we couldn't find anything. And they're, they're the people that are looking at the research. So I kind of lean heavily upon them and their understanding of it. That's for sure. So to tag to that, I, I was just thinking about this and
0: it may be an interesting question for you guys to, to get your opinion on. Do you think everybody in the United States, everybody in the world is eventually going to get
2: COVID-19? No. I mean, we all might develop antibodies for it, meaning that we've had contact with it in some way, shape, or form. But coming down with the severe symptoms and, and leading to us being on a ventilator, No. I don't think that's going to be the case. The statistics are bearing out on that, from my perspective. So I'd love to hear what Creek has said. I about. mean,
1: I, I don't think that, that 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 has to happen at all. You know, I'm you know I'm forty three years old, and to my knowledge, I've never had the flu. I've never had the standard flu in my life, to my knowledge, and um, and so because of that, I mean. Th- you know, there's a, high, a much higher chance of me getting the flu over the past 43 years than there has been of me getting coronavirus in the past six months, you know, or the past couple of months. And so I don't, I don't think that uh, everyone has to necessarily get this virus, you know, I mean, especially as it starts to, as it starts to die off a little bit. I mean, it all goes back to, you know, that's the same, the same reason why, you know, some people don't get the flu, you know they stay away from people with the flu and they wash their hands and they have good hygiene, and you know do their best to not get sick, you know keep their immune system boosted, they eat right, they sleep well, they exercise It's all the same you know all of the same tactics apply to coronavirus that apply to the flu and if you abide by a lot of those basic common sense rules of not getting sick, then I think your chances are you know in general really increased of not, not contracting this coronavirus.
0: That's really good Creeks. So I think this is a good point. Maybe just to talk about some of those lifestyle things, Craig and Creek and share with people, anything that you have that, uh, that you have found effective or that, you know, is effective and building your immune system.
2: And I, I would go right with what Creek just said. I mean, he, he just said it all. And I agree with everything that he shared exercise, so you can physically stay healthy and uh, do whatever you can to eliminate stress from your life. There's all kinds of different ways of doing that. We can discuss that if you want to, but um, these, these are things that we just need to be able to do so that we can function optimally. And functioning optimally means eating right, exercising, reducing stress, so that our bodies are functioning on all cylinders as best it can, so that when and if our body comes in contact with it, it develops a natural immunity to it, which is, you know, I've been reading on this and it's interesting. One of the reasons that a lot of people just don't get the flu, maybe Creek's one of them, is that they have a strong ability to build immunity and antibodies around these particular bugs. And so if we can, once they, that one of the reasons we can't come up with some good medical reasoning to help these people right now is nobody has necessarily developed antibodies yet. Once they develop antibodies, then we can come up with ways to, to help combat it. But right now the best thing to do is just eat right, exercise and get, you know, stay stress-free as best you can. Get good sleep. I mean, I'm just mirroring what Creek said. I'm I'm all, all on board with what yeah, Creek just wash said. Wash your hands well, and get...
1: stay away from sick people as as best yeah, as you yeah, can, absolutely. you
2: know, is something that makes
1: sense, you know?
0: Well, let's dig into this stress thing then. So, some some mind, body, spirit ideas. Stress. I mean, panic. Panic buying is is a you know kind of a really common term now, and that implies panic. It feel, people feel out of control in this situation, and so stress. Even right now, taking on a lot of stress could lower your immune system. So, why don't we talk about some ways that folks could alleviate? dissipate, deal with stress?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, for, for me, you know, I, when, I, when I try to eliminate stress, I just, you know, I, I do the things that I enjoy and right now i being trapped at home more than you, I'm a workaholic. And so, um, you know, I've never spent more time at home than I have over the past couple of weeks, you know? And so it's been a real opportunity for me to, um, you know, pursue things that I, I maybe wouldn't have done otherwise, you know, like I, I, I've spent, even though I spend a lot of time outdoors, um, just in general, it's a lot of time I'm outdoors working. And the past few weeks I've had an opportunity to just really spend some leisure time outdoors with my family. I've never spent more time with my family than, I mean, in the past, in the past several years than I have in the past few weeks. I mean, it's really been an interesting last few weeks. Um, and so there's a, there I mean there are definitely opportunities, especially for people who are kind of trapped at home, to pursue things that they enjoy, that they that they actually enjoy doing, and that in and of itself can be a huge stress reliever. But eating but eating healthy and sleeping well, I mean sleeping well has got to be one of the biggest one of the biggest ways to uh. manage stress in your life. Um, you know but for me you know it's doing things that i enjoy personally and that's the probably the biggest stress reliever that i can think of
2: yeah i think one thing that comes up as far as we've talked about mind body spirit but as far as mind emotional health is that we need to recognize whether it's in ourselves or those that are surrounding us that fear is a driver for a lot of people and that's why we've had this panic buying and stuff that we've seen that's just ridiculous to in my from my perspective just ridiculous you know uh, buying 20 packs of toilet paper and the stuff that goes along with it. But, but, um, the reason is because people are fearful of something. I think we need to recognize that fear is actually a really good defense mechanism in us as humans. And when we recognize that we are fearful of something, then it doesn't mean that we lay down and go into the fetal position. We don't, we actually go, okay, I'm a little bit fearful of this si- situation, what are my solutions or what are my opportunities for finding solutions? And then that can push us through some situation, whatever it might be. Uh, You're afraid that somebody in your family is going to get sick and die. You're in this COVID-19 sort of thing. You don't become fearful from that. You just recognize that, hey, that's something that is happening that's giving me an opportunity to be fearful, but you work through it and go, how am I going to get on the other side of it? Just work through it, critically work through it as best you can.
1: You know, I think Craig mentioned something really interesting that I just want to bounce off of and that, you know, he mentioned the word opportunity and I forget the old quote, but it's something to the effect of in the midst of um, great crisis is great opportunity. And I don't know who said that and I don't know where it came from, but there are opportunities in this crisis for everybody, you know, and it's, and the challenge of course is finding what those opportunities are for you, you know, and they are different for everyone, but we would be you know, we would be doing ourselves a real personal disservice if we weren't scouring this moment and really trying to find what those opportunities are for us. Maybe it's an opportunity to switch careers, to start a side hustle. Maybe it's an opportunity to spend more time with your family and, you know, stop, stop working so much. I mean, there's a, or change, you know, change your habits and change your diet. It's a wake up call for a lot of people. It's an opportunity to say, you know, I need to be better prepared for the next time when something more serious than coronavirus happens. I'm hoping we're going to talk about the levels of tragedy that could potentially happen on top of what's currently happening. But, you know, I think not trying to just sulking in the moment and not trying to find those silver linings and that positive opportunity is a real, real mistake here um, if, if we aren't trying to find that for, you know, ourselves. Good stuff. I think something that's been really helpful
0: to me is just realizing that I'm not in control as much as I thought I was. I mean, there's so many things right now that we and really nobody has control over. And I think we just need to be okay with that and look for those things that we can control and and do that. And one thing that just has been huge for me is just taking intentional breaks from negative input specifically the media um reaching out to others kind of takes us out out of ourselves i'd like to hear what you guys have to say about doing things that that we can that are positive that can encourage others and move us into a a better mindset quit watching the news. oh
1: man do yourself i think that's huge i think it's burn it
2: yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't agree with that anymore. It's it's there's so much sensationalism with anything and everything anymore. I usually do try to catch here in Kentucky, our governor has a five o'clock um brief of what's been going on in the day. I try to catch that and as soon as he's done talking, I turn it off because I don't want to hear some talking head journalist. Um, political slight on it. I I don't have time for politics right now, you all. I've got, there's too many important, it's just, it's, I don't have time for that. I don't think the country's got time for that crap right now. And we just need to get some facts and, and move on them as best we can.
1: You know, I've been, you know, it's interesting, David, you say like, you know, investing in other people and, you know, spending time focusing on other people instead of yourself can be a real advantage. I mean, I've, one thing I've been doing in the past couple of weeks that I've really been enjoying is, you know, I've really, there's a lot of people within the, you know, the quote survival industry or outdoor industry who are out of work and they're, they're part-time outdoor skills instructors. And they've got these little kind of side hustles where they're teaching skills and they're maybe making outdoor related crafts or practicing their, their own craft on the weekends. And, you know, I've been working with a handful of um these individuals who are just trying to just trying to build a business around their outdoor hobby and their outdoor passion. And so, you know, I'm, you know, in a sense, you could the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life, um, or at least one of them, is being able to pursue a job and a career that revolves around what I love, you know. And I think for a lot of people who are maybe stuck at home, this is a really unique opportunity to think about that, you know, to think about what steps can I, how can I build something that I've always wanted while I'm, you know, being forced to stay at home? Are there opportunities to build something, you know, to build something for myself? And, you know, I've been investing a ton of time and energy in other outdoor instructors, you know, helping them just kind of get their, you know, get their bearings with what's the next step in that side hustle in that business. And I tell you, I, I don't think there's anything I've done in my career that's been more rewarding than that.
0: That's good, Creek. And you just re- reminded me of something that I started. I literally started my first business. I have a degree in landscape architecture from Penn State University. And so I chose not to go into the corporate like architecture f- field, mm-hmm. but I worked for design build companies. And they have a, they have a seasonal cycle. And so every year for at least three months, I would get laid off in the wintertime. And one winter I said, Hey, I've got some other cool things I'd like to do. And (laughs) so while I was unemployed, I went and I started laying the foundation blocks for my first self-employment, my first side hustle Mm -hmm. that after a couple of those, they led me to uh, where I am now. So that's a fantastic idea. And I love this whole concept of looking for the silver lining, looking for the opportunity here to move yourself forward. Uh, I think there's going to be some people that, that come from this, if they if they take what you all are saying, that they're going to come out of this and say, you know, I, I would have never expected that this would have given me an opportunity to uh, turn the rudder and have my life go in this direction. So I think that's great. That's great advice. All right, so we've got this massive stimulus bill. I don't know why anybody doesn't say this, but one day I tried to wrap my mind around what a trillion dollars is. So here's what a trillion dollars is. I had to take it to a common place that I sort of kind of understood. I can understand a million. To me, that's a lot of money. I don't know about for you guys, but that's that's a good bit of money. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah so <laughs> yeah a trillion <laughs> a trillion dollars is a million million Jeez, man okay doesn't that put it into perspective for you
1: i mean has has our country ever even yeah. made a, a trillion dollars like in its entire history i mean what's the what's what's all of the like gross domestic product of the united states added up over the course of its entire history does it even equal a trillion i don't i don't know maybe that's a stupid question
0: my understanding is it does i i heard two conflicting reports this morning and i believe that the 6 trillion dollar package is somewhere between 30 and 40% of the gdp of the us so yes i mean oh, we have okay. a, we have a okay. large okay 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 we have a a, a large gdp And I may be wrong there, so you guys on YouTube, don't troll us over that. Just check the facts for yourself. But it, but it's still an enormous amount of money. Oh yeah. Especially in a time where we've literally shut down at least eighty, seventy to eighty, eighty-five percent of the economy, if you know, except for essential services. Yeah. So what do you guys think of this whole stimulus bill? Pros cons. Should people take the money that's coming their way? What do you all think?
1: That's a tough one, man. It's an it's all speculation on something that's never been done before on this scale. You know, Um, Uh that's a tough one. You know, it goes it goes it you know it goes back to you know I'll I'll answer it in this in this I'll answer it by referencing back to something I've said before. You know, one reason I love a good side hustle. One reason I love being somewhat or all self-employed is it's just a different type of self-reliant skill. And that has always run in my veins. I look at entrepreneurship as this, you know, this, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur that for the same reason that I practice other self-reliant skills, because it is a self-reliant skill, just a different version of one and myself, you know, I can only speak for myself because I'm not in anyone else's shoes But I'm, I'm more inclined to, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined to depend on, you know, to bend, to depend on myself for, you know, a bailout whenever, as a, a bailout whenever and as much as I possibly can. And I'm comfortable with that, you know? And so that would, that would in essence guide my, guide my stance on that just a little bit. But, um, you know, there are certainly people right now who just don't necessarily have that opportunity Um, and haven't built a pre-existing business in order to be self-reliant financially. Uh, And so, you know, that's that's a tough one, man. That's a really tough question because there are so many exceptions to any answer I could possibly give.
0: I heard a pretty good analogy on this, and uh, one of the political commentators said that it's kind of like the government drove an F-150 through the front of your building. Now, it seems like they had a pretty good reason for doing it, but still, there's some remuneration that has to happen there. I thought that was an interesting concept.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it is, especially for someone who, you know, for someone who is, you know, who might not like the idea of taking government money, you know, because in essence, you're just taking tax dollars that have to, you know, that people have already paid in and now they're going to have to be repaid at some point, you know, it's not government money, it's people money. And so, you know, it it is interesting what that, that analogy that you just gave, because there is some truth to that to a certain degree for sure.
0: Another thing that I heard too, and then Craig, I'd I'd love to hear your, your take on all this, that we're kicking around. Somebody had, had referred this morning on a, on a news show about this two to six trillion dollar stimulus package and they were quickly corrected by their guest who said, this is a rescue package. This is a this is a this is literally a ventilator package that's trying to keep this whole thing afloat. And there may be more rescue packages. When this is all said and done, if it's if it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days out later, then the stimulus package comes. So we're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money here. So Craig, what, what are your thoughts in general on the stimulus package?
2: Uh, several different thoughts. Some of them maybe we can get into, maybe we shouldn't, but the big one being is that any stimulus packages put together where they send me money, they're just sending my money back to me. It's not, it's not their money. It's my money. It's our money. And so any money that's coming out, we need to understand that. It's not some sort of gift that the feds are giving us. It is the money that they have utilized from our paychecks and from our businesses for occasions such as this. I'm a big fan. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that are out of work. A lot of people. Six point, what was the percentage this morning? I saw, I can't remember. Anyway, it's the biggest it's been in forever. Unemployment rate. And there's people that work at fast food restaurants and and are just out of school or working some kind of small part-time job while they're in school that absolutely don't have any money without something like this. And so I'm a big fan of it. I think it should have happened. What does piss me off, and this is what David alluded to uh, earlier that our guests sometimes like when I get aggravated, is that when they attach a bunch of pork to something like this, then I guess I just get red eye. Uh, The fact that the Kennedy center, I'm a big fan of art and humanities. I'm a huge fan of it. But in a situation like this, when politics gets into play either side, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care who's doing it. Anybody that's doing it and attaches a bunch of pork to a bill that's supposed to help the country. I've got major problems with that major problems with that. And I'll be, I'll be voting appropriately when I get that opportunity I will not forget mm-hmm. that they did that I hear you uh,
0: just some numbers I heard this morning Craig at least at the time of of this recording was that the the March numbers came in at six percent unemployment but that was just for the the first week or two of March so it doesn't really hit hit that you know later in March curve but that 10 million people have New people have applied for unemployment in the last two weeks. So that's huge. That's huge. Creek, I just want to kick back to that one thing that you said about, you know, being self-reliant. All of us are self-employed. And, you know, we've done that for various different reasons. Plus, we're we're in the older side of life, right? So we've had a lot of experiences and, and uh, successes and failures. But it is really interesting, though. That people could still start a business today if they wanted to, if they had a good idea, and uh, and the reason I say that because some people are like, "Well, all the stores are closed." Well, the internet's still open, so just a thought there. I mean, Creek, you've got you've got multiple brands, lots of opportunities, lots right of opportunity now, man. Right, lots now. Of opportunities yep. right now, lots
2: of opportunities right now.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm a serial entrepreneur in general, you know. I mean, if there's one thing I love more than wilderness survival, it's entrepreneurship. They're so closely related to me um that they they are very similar for the same reasons. I I pursue both for very similar reasons. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent that of of small business and entrepreneurship, and I believe that we live in a day and age when You know, the the time has never been more ripe, even in the midst of, you know, what will certainly be some kind of a recession on some level, you know, I mean, there's definitely something weird economically and financially coming. But, you know, even in the midst of this, there are opportunities to start a business. We we live in a day and age where there's the Internet, and that opens up an incredible amount of doors for people, being able to reach a global market, being able to teach you know, share their skills online or sell their products and services online and use their knowledge to help solve other people's problems. And there will always be a market for knowledge, whether it's in the form of classes or products and services. And we live in such a blessed time for people who are interested in entrepreneurship, the real question is, you know, for a lot of those people who have never started a business is of course, where do I start with that? Where do I start with that? You know, and that's another conversation for another day and another show, but you know, I'm a huge, I'm, I'm a huge believer that if someone wants to start a business even right now with little money and no experience that it can be done, we live in a day and age where it is all possible.
0: Absolutely. And Creek, I, I know this this isn't what you were alluding to, but if there's folks listening to us, they can they can actually take an opportunity to go over and check out Outdoor Core if they've got some some sort of an outdoor skill or craft or something that they think is unique that they could share with the world. I you guys over there would love to hear what their idea is, and and that that's what the platform set up for, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it allows it allows outdoor instructors to share their skills online with a global market. And I don't think that there's a better product, a better first viable product for a solopreneur than an online course. If you have a skill to share, there's very little startup costs. We have an immediate market on a platform already. And social media is one of the biggest driving, one of the biggest driving promotional opportunities. So, I mean, whether it's in the outdoor industry or any other industry, I think online learning is is a product of the future for almost anyone in any trade, whether you're a plumber or whether you're an artist or a gardener or whatever it is. I think there is an online course and learning opportunity to share those skills online to solve other people's problems, whatever those might be. I did have a question here that can you guys suggest some other
0: financial methods that can help and i I really feel like that's satisfied that question. Do you have anything else to add there, Craig? Yeah, I think so.
2: Nothing other than there's been a lot of monies in this package that was going to go towards the small business administration. So if you're the type of person that wants to wade into those waters of getting, they have grants available. They have loans available for those that want to start a new business and they want to prop up their current business because it's, it's a functional, Business the SBA has a lot of requirements, but you can get in there and, and actually get some loans to do that sort of thing. Um, I know Shopify, uh, most of my websites built through Shopify, they've been offering working capital loans through this process for even small businesses like, like mine. So it's, it's all there's, there's possibilities. You just got to look for them and i I think on the flip side of that, too,
1: is you know one thing I've noticed over the course of the past couple of weeks, just for my personal finances and the finances of my family, is you know I had forgotten on how little we needed, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. we had gotten into a routine of just going out to eat and you know buying toys and buying you know just spending frivolously on things that we really we really i mean the the last two weeks have proven that. We really don't need that, you know, and this is a really interesting financial reset for me where I'm reevaluating our, the, the household budget and saying, man, you know, we haven't bought a toy in two weeks, you know, for my little boy, (laughs) or, you know, we haven't gone out to eat at a restaurant in like two weeks and you know, I mean, as I look at like the debit card statement or the credit card statement and look at those, I mean, it's just like onesie twosie little things on gas and some groceries and just these essential items. And that for me is a big financial takeaway from this because I personally, you know, I just kind of needed a little bit of a financial reset because I had gotten a little bit too comfortable with my budget. And not that I was like wasting money, but You know, this has been a really interesting opportunity for me to tighten up and know that, you know, once we're on the other side of this, you know, I'm going to keep it a little tighter than I had it before.
2: Right. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. So here's an
0: interesting question that some people are still asking: Should I? This was a question that was posed to me. Should I consider bugging out to somewhere else if I'm in a susceptible? or highly infected area? I think, I feel like I know this question, the answer of this question and everybody should, but let's address it anyway.
1: Oh man, now I'm nervous. Cause what if mine, what if my answer isn't like yours? <laughs> See, I'm gonna be wrong. You want me to go first? You then I'll it, go first. You, you made it sound so obvious. I mean, I definitely <laughs> have an opinion on it. You are, okay, you I'll, are the man I'll who wrote bold. the book. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I thought I, I've been thinking for a long time that it's interesting that a bug in scenario, quote, a shelter in place scenario could potentially turn into a bug out scenario for some people, could, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, if you're really clustered around a really, a really high rate area of infection, I mean, that would make me a little nervous personally. You know, the the flip side is, do do, do you have the opportunity to actually have the option to bug out to a safer place? And of course, that's the, you know, that's the rub in that question. But... Um, and
0: those opportunities seem know, to be
1: closing
0: quick as governors yeah. make decisions and choices there.
1: Yeah. yeah. So go uh, ahead. What, no what, joke, what's your you, answer?
0: What's your answer? Go ahead. I want to hear this. Well,
1: the definition of bugging out is when it's no longer safe to bug in. And so, I mean, there is, there is a peak when, when you're so surrounded. I mean, if you were in an area that is incredible, like everybody's getting Corona, you know, and no matter where you go, there's somebody with it. Like that would make me a little bit nervous. And, you know, it becomes, it becomes, you know, is this the the best area for me to be in? And do I have an option to be somewhere else for a while? Mm -hmm.
2: So possibly, yeah. Interesting. Craig. Greg? First time I've seen the extreme value of bugging out is now, I mean, I've considered it, but considering it deeply, I've always come back to the best solution is bugging in. But again, like, like my neighbor is quarantined right now, my next door neighbor. And so, you know, in a situation where I, I don't want my type one diabetic daughter running into my neighbor yeah, and so if there's a solution for us to go somewhere else, even if it's just bugging out to another home, like a grandparents' home or something yeah. that in nature, then then that might be the best solution. I have a really good friend I was on the phone with yesterday who lives in the burbs, of, the northern burbs of Chicago, and he's seriously considering getting out of there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not nearly as bad as New York either, he said. But his thought is, if they get bad like New York, then he doesn't want to be there and so he's i mean but he's one of these guys that's a prepper freak i mean he's ready to rock i mean he can go in any time and he'd be good to go so
1: no right so what's the actual answer david well you know
0: it's a moving target at the time at the original time this question was asked uh this is a particular friend if he's listening you know who you are who lives in texas And he was concerned about what was starting to go on down there, especially with all the panic buying and not being able to get stuff. And I was trying to, I was, I was giving close friends about a week's notice on what sort of kind of what I felt was going to happen. Cause we've, we've all kind of studied this, right. And it was kind of going down pretty close to what I was recommending to, to some close friends. And so his solution, here's his solution. And here's a little bit of the rub of this. This question is his solution was his wife said, We need to go and live with David. And I said, No, stay where you're at. You have you have the resources you need. You need to get some cash. You need to have a generator. You need to have some basics. You're all set. You have water, you have a you have heat, you have electric. Stay where where you're at. You have a community of in your church. You have a community of people that you guys will care for each other stay there don't move on Be- because besides my place and whether you would even get here or not we don't know we don't know the answer and he's not he's not a particularly capable person for bugging out right he really hasn't studied it he was just worried his wife was worried but considering what you guys are talking about it it's it's a fair question and what i would say is you have to consider, I think you really need to consider others. Like if you're in a highly affected area, uh, New York City, you know, it that's a that's a very tough question. But what I would say is, for instance, I live in a very rural area and just right over the mountain from where I live, there's about four or five 10 acre camps and those are all set up for folks. I noticed that one or two of, of those folks have decided to hang out there for now they're all from downstate in Pennsylvania and if you have a place mm. to go if you have maybe you have uh, some folks that you can share resources uh, if you have a place to go I think it's a different story but I th- I think you really need to consider your move how that would affect others in a place that you're moving and you need to obviously and you know Craig's got a, a case where his daughter is is I guess it would be would you consider that somewhat Immunosuppressed just because of the diabetes.
2: Oh yeah, without a doubt, yes. she's definitely sure. one of those people that that if she were to contract COVID nineteen, it could be really problematic for her. Yep, very problematic.
0: So I think when it really comes down to it, this is this is one of those situations where you really have to uh, study it and uh, you know make some important decisions for yourself, right? Oh yeah, dead definitely.
1: On. You know, my biggest my biggest, if I had one of the biggest if if I had to identify what's my biggest fear with all of this, my biggest fear is that all of is, is that after all of this is said and done that the, the general populace will say, you know, I made it through a huge large-scale natural disaster and it wasn't that bad. I made you know I made it through there and I I didn't really have I didn't really have all those prepper things that some other people had and I and I, may, I made it through so I'm going to make it I mean I'm going to be fine and make it through the next one. You know that's really my biggest fear in that. You know because I know what can happen with large scale natural disasters whether it's you know I wouldn't consider this a natural I mean it's natural in the sense that it's biologic and it's large scale for sure but it's different because People are at home and all of their needs are pretty well met. You know, they, their toilets flush, their trash is being picked up, their generators are, I mean, their, their furnace is working, their tap water's working, their heat's working, you know. In general, they can go to the grocery store, they're still getting their medicine, can still go to the doctor in general all of your needs are being met and i don't want to you know i don't want to be insensitive to all of the tragedy that's happening because there are definitely people dying and there are definitely people losing their jobs and affected financially but on the scale of things that could actually happen in a large scale disaster i mean we're we're com- we're getting it pretty good with corona because all of our needs for those who aren't directly affected by the virus are are in general they're in place and they're not knocked out but if you knock out just one of those essentials just just heat or just water or just you know one of or internet you know i mean you knock out one of those things then it's an entirely different conversation with an entirely different level of tragedy and and dangerous
0: so let's go with that creek because we have a question here what what sorts of doom day, dooms day or society altering things can happen if this situation keeps going in this direction that we should prepare for i think i think what you just said there is a good segue into into that because you've made a study of and you've traveled to places all over the world that have had uh you know the the grid go down uh, what what do you guys think could continue uh, if we continue on this course not to be i don't want to be fear-mongering or anything like that but Moving forward, sure. what what should people be looking to and preparing for that that could possibly happen?
1: Well, I mean, all of these supply chains are so fragile. You know, the food the food supply chain is fragile. The power grid is fragile. The water the water supply is fragile. It's all so fragile. You know, I mean, there's anybody that works in any of those industries will tell you that. The, the hair is, the line is razor and hair thin between normalcy and total chaos with any of these services that we so depend on every single day to, to, to stay alive and for things to be normal. And, you know, I think the real preparedness comes when thinking about what, what's happening when those services aren't available.
2: It's a whole different world. When people can't flush that toilet right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a whole. I mean, yeah. I, I go back to that all the time, man. But two days, two days into a fourteen day quarantine, and you're backing up feces in the back of a toilet because you can't flush because there's no water. We got major problems. Hygiene is out the window. There's bacteria in in your house if you haven't don't take the necessary steps to fix that. And not to mention, you know, electricity. I mean, people are talking about how they're binge watching all these stupid shows on Netflix and everything to pass the time. And what happens if there is no electricity? There is no Internet. And you really do have to spend most of your time talking to those that you live with or dealing with your own self, whichever one, if you're solo. Those things haven't even come close to happening yet. Not even come close. It's in, I mean, not to just beat a dead horse, but it's all very fragile. And when those things go away, it's, it's, it's a different world.
0: Yeah. Creek, I think that's a really good awareness that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, become complacent that, Hey, this is as bad as it could get. And Craig, we did a podcast I'm going to say it was 62 or 63 a couple of weeks ago. Where we actually
2: remember these numbers, man.
0: We just talked. I can't keep up the numbers. (laughs) We talked about all of that sort of stuff. So if you want to just consider electric going down, uh, sanitation, water hygiene, all of those things would become very, very important and maybe know what to anticipate there, Uh, go over and check out. Uh, I think it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Gosh, we talked about self quarantining and podcast 60. We talked about 61 was uh, if the system fails, disease prevention and treatment hacks, safe water forever. So, anyway, we've got a couple of podcasts just within the last couple of weeks where we've discussed a lot of that.
1: Yeah, if um, if if the coronavirus has peaked, you know, if you're listening and the coronavirus has peaked, your aware you know your interest in preparedness you know please do not use the coronavirus event as a benchmark for preparing use it as a catalyst but don't use it as a benchmark for w- w- what you'll need and you know the the actions that you'll need to take because I mean in general you know if if, if your health isn't affected directly affected then your needs are fairly well being met for most people.
0: Yes. Use this as a motivating factor to move forward in your preparedness situation so that you can have at least the basics on all of the bases covered for any future events. Do you guys have this sense that things have, I've heard a lot of people say this, they have this sense that things have changed like, and they'll never be the same. Yeah. I'm just curious what you what comes to your mind when you hear that,
1: you know, Uh go ahead. Go ahead,
2: Craig. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I I was just going to say, you know, I mean, I think that I think the world is a slightly different place now. I'd like to believe that now that everybody's spending so much time with their families that, you know, the world's going to become a little bit more family centered. (laughs) But I don't know if that'll be the case or not. You know, it, history, you know, h- humans are, humans are interesting. You know, they're really quick to forget, you know, that's why I was on, um, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day on a different podcast, <clears throat> Brett from art of manliness. And, you know, he said an interesting quote, you know, history often repeats itself, right. Uh, because humans are really quick to forget and they'll be really quick to forget this one too. But I would, I mean, I, I, it it's hard to imagine the world being the world being the same after this one. This is such a such a unique I mean, it's just one of the most unique events that has ever happened in my life, certainly. And I mean, I gotta believe that, you know, things on the opposite side of this are gonna feel a little different.
2: Craig? My answer would be I hope it's different. I did not like the world that we were living in. I mean, uh, the things that I'm seeing, one that Craig, Craig mentioned is just uh, a focus more back on family an ability for people to at least consider their own selves and their own mindset and their own self-worth and value. And instead of always looking at social media and always looking outward somewhere else, getting past the TV and, I mean, sports, I mean, we now know that entertainment in, and particularly, you know, professional sports is not essential. <laughs> the people that are essential are out there. They're on the front lines right now. And I think those people are being lifted up right now in a good way. And I, I hope that trend continues. I hope we know how valuable healthcare workers are sanitation workers for that matter, uh, you know, police officers, EMTs, paramedics, docs, people that run emergency management centers and all the things that go along with it. These people are valuable, incredibly valuable to the fabric of who we are. And I hope that trend continues.
1: One one takeaway that I'll have personally is that I am definitely not essential.
0: That's probably a good awareness for all of us, right?
1: O- outside of the home.
0: <laughs> right. So Craig, you had just mentioned uh, we had a question here. What is the? What are some of the most encouraging things have you, that you've noticed during this pandemic? And you guys have alluded to a few things there. I heard this uh, great story. I believe it's a friend of. We live in a rural area. I I literally have one neighbor, and you know his house is a half mile away from mine, but there are a lot of people who live in urban suburban areas, and. Uh, a friend of my wife's reported that she had read the books and she had heard the stories from her grandparents, but she never lived in a day in her town when people actually greeted each other, made eye contact, said hi, and uh, waved. And so she noticed that through this whole process, when people see other people in their neighborhood, it's like, time has slowed down to a previous day and they're engaging each other even from a distance waving and saying hi and all those sorts of things and i find that very
1: very encouraging one one thing's for sure is i across the across the not far from where i live there's a park that we've been frequenting every day i I always go over there anyway but um that i mean there are more people outside walking around on these trails than i have ever seen before ever Yeah, you know, that's always good to see people outside. All right, let's just talk about some lessons learned
0: from this. I know, Craig, this has been kind of an evolution for us because, you know, we were, we were talking about this pretty early. I didn't know if this was going to go away. I didn't know if people were just going to get sick of talking about it. Obviously, you know, we're all affected by this in one way or another at this point. So uh, my, some of my perceptions and, and of course, my knowledge base has grown over time here, but I'd like to hear your comments and some lessons that you've learned, maybe some attitudes and
2: some some perspectives that have changed through this. I got one simple one. It's almost embarrassing to admit of a lesson that I learned, but I learned uh, uh, an incredible amount of the value of just washing your hands with cold water versus hot water. You know, I've always thought the hotter the better, but it became quickly apparent from everybody ranging from my close friends to the CDC that just washing your hands with soap and utilizing friction is the key to this particular situation that we find ourselves in as well as the flu for that for, uh, in a similar way. And, and again, I almost hate to admit that, but just learn how to wash my hands better has been uh, one lesson learned for me. I learned the dynamics of soap through this
0: Craig. I think both of our wives are pretty heavily in involved in, in like making their own soaps and using things in nature uh in a productive way. And so all through all of this and through some of the courses that my wife takes, I learned the dynamics of soap. I guess I never really understood how soap, you know, washing your hands with soap and water affected a virus. I always thought that it kind of like washed it away and i wondered like where does it go does it get into the water then like it's still a virus but my understanding now is that the soap actually breaks down the uh the outer portion of a virus and kills it just simple simple hand soap so
1: you know for me it's real personal you know i mean there's all kinds of like preparedness lessons but you know on a deeper level You know, I've actually, you know, on some level, I've, I've found the joy in this reset. You know, I mean, I've, I've actually enjoyed being at home. You know, I've enjoyed working from home. I've enjoyed spending time with my, with my family and, you know, an unusual amount of time for me. Um, I've enjoyed cooking, you know, I mean, I've enjoyed, I mean, I've enjoyed tightening the budget. Now, I mean, I've taken some business hits with this as as every small business people person has, you know, I've taken my fair of business blows with all, you know, with the best of them, but, you know, I choose to see, you know, I choose to see the silver linings in this. And for me, I mean, I've, I've actually, you know, I've been able to find some real gratitude in, in spending time with the people who are closest to me and, you know, doing some things that I wouldn't have normally have done. And, you know it's depending on less i mean it's been a really interesting the last couple of weeks has been really simple you know it's been re- a really simple life for me and i've really enjoyed that and i'm going to try to i'm going to try to replicate that to the best of my abilities you know on the other side of this because i've really enjoyed it i think it's been good for me and my family i've really
0: enjoyed the uh the out of the normal outreach between people I mean, we live rurally anyway, so a lot of my contacts on a normal basis, since we do have our studio and warehouse in the basement of my house, (laughs) uh, a lot of my contacts come through the internet or through texting and calls anyway. But it's just really cool how the community of people are uh, checking in. Friends are checking in. I'm checking in with other friends. I've got a a couple of friends that are doctors. I checked in with them today. Uh, And um, I just think it's fantastic how we're we're just engaging each other more, checking in and encouraging each other, uh, you know, even through the internet, through social media. And that, bring, that brings me to another question that I'd like to take a look at. What do you guys think, and, and this is a little political, so just be, beware. There are some leaders that are encouraging people in different jurisdictions to report those who don't comply with advisories and orders. Does this concern you at all? And and I guess this gets to the bigger the bigger question of yes, we have we have some big problems. Some things are certainly justified for the health of all, for the health of our economy. And I'm just wondering how far we go with this before it really starts to hit very strongly on the constitutional principles that we've all
1: been able to be blessed to live under and, and by in our country. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's definitely some weird things going on. You know, when I hear things like that, I've, i I've, I've tried not to watch the news so much, so I'm not as in tune to a lot that's happening quite frankly, but you know, when you, when you, When you say things like that, you know, I immediately think that that as actually a couple of sentences out of the, you know, the second book in the Hunger Games, you know, I mean, that's what it sounds like. It just sounds, it sounds like something you'd be reading in a fiction novel, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to living here. Oh man, I could get started, David. (laughs) That's, that's, (laughs) that's why we paid the heavy price to watch
0: and listen today, Craig, was to hear what your opinion is on this.
2: Hey, here's my opinion on this is that, and part of this is built upon. I've got a lot of really good friends, federal, state, and local law enforcement, who are posting nearly every day about that type of stuff. And all of them that I have come across are saying things like, don't be the guy that contacts law enforcement because somebody's not wearing a mask and they should be. Don't be that guy. Handle it yourself as best you can. Talk to somebody, suggest that they get it on. Because if we allow that continue to fester, then that's going to be the same person that's going to call and send somebody to the, to the gas chamber. That's how it all got started back then. We, we wonder how all that started during the Holocaust. Well, that right there is how it got started. And so I have no, I have no interest in that. I have no interest in uh, uh, allowing that to fester in our country. We need to be able to communicate effectively, and this is why I've said a million times that one of the best skills that you can have in survival is good communication skills. Know how to communicate effectively to your neighbors when you have awkward subjects to communicate. You don't have to call the law every time somebody doesn't do something the way you expect them to. You know, for example, I would have handled the situation with the people that spit on my wife's feet at the grocery store. I wouldn't need to call law enforcement. I would have handled that myself. So, how best we handle that? What's the most legal and most ethical way to handle that? That's what we all have to determine for ourselves, but I'm not interested in sending pe- you know getting getting on the path of sending people to some gas chamber and that might sound a little bit dramatic, but that's how it got started back then, and that's the way it looks like it's getting started right now. I'm not interested in it, Craig. I'm gonna
0: piggyback on that with this next question and Creek, if you have anything else to say about it. What- Craig just said, you can kick in on on this one. But some people are just concerned about what the new normal looks like moving forward. What are any cautions, concerns, thoughts that you have? Should we be resetting our thinking and expecting events like this, whether it's the government intervening, whether it's responses of people like we're just talking about, whether it's more kindness and compassion towards each other, whether it's, uh, more family oriented situations, uh, what can we expect? What are your concerns, cautions, and thoughts there?
1: Well, my motto has always been, and you guys know that, that it's not if, but when, and, uh, this is just, you know, one win in many that will happen in our lifetime, I'm sure. And, um, you know the like i like I mentioned earlier i think the I think the biggest takeaway here is not to use corona or covid nineteen as a benchmark for preparedness but rather a catalyst uh for
2: awareness. I think two perspectives need to come out. Uh, I think the first is that the good thing that is going to be the new normal is we have an opportunity to focus on family, like Creek said several times, and same here in my house, Uh, although we're here all the time anyway. But, you know, there has been some slight changes in that in in a good way. Um, The other one is is the new normal of being, it, it seems really simple, but I think people really know how to wash their hands now. I'm one of them. I mean, a lot of ways that this gets passed is areas that we communally touch in our uh, in our communities, whether it's doorknobs or the ice bar at a restaurant or shaking hands and and uh, all the things that go along with all of that. I mean, it's it's the, the other sicknesses that we deal with throughout the year are often passed by putting our hands on our eyes near our mouth or something of that nature. And I think people are paying attention to that, so – Hopefully a new normal, one part of it, will be that we'll be less sick moving forward. Although, you know, the the really rough news is that this is probably going to come back in the fall. This is going to be back next year, too. I mean, that that's doomsday. I mean, people don't want to hear it, but that's probably the truth. It's coming back. We're not going to get rid of it here in a month and be done with it. It's It's going to come back.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing is even when the stay at home policies are, have subsided, it's not like, it's not like COVID's over, (laughs) you know, it's like when stay at home's over, that stuff's still all out there filtering around and you have just as much risk of getting it as you did when you were at, you know, as you did two days earlier, you know? So that, that's the interesting thing I think is that I think even when the stay at home orders or, or whatever you would call them are over, I think people are going to be real hesitant to just go out there and like, you know, I think it's going to be weird, man. I think it's going to be weird for a while. It's it's super going to be super weird. All right. I'd like to get into
0: some helpful, productive, and encouraging things our listeners can do during this time that we have. And we've talked about a bunch of those. So I'm thinking about anything creative and uh, maybe move this into some action steps, Craig, after that. But I have a couple of recommendations I'll, just to start. First of all, since almost everybody has Amazon Prime or Netflix, I want you to go and look up the series Monk. If you have not seen that, we are now all Monk. It it would be interesting to watch it. It was eight or nine seasons. It was very pop- popular starting in the early 2000s. And uh, have you guys seen that? No. No. You need to go check that out we are all monk no. he keeps What's getting it on to me about monk, monk. M- watching m- the show Creek. monk m o n k monk
2: he's all about the show greek you got to watch you gotta it you got to check uh, it out you'll be hooked i don't have
0: i don't have i don't have netflix uh, do you have amazon prime i think it's on prime
1: oh okay okay yeah,
0: yeah. amazon prime so uh, check that out that's one thing you will laugh and think about how much more you would have laughed maybe 3 months ago because it's, it's ridiculous. And our lives have in some ways become ridiculous like that. Um, okay. The next thing is, and these are, whether you live in the country, or whether you have a postage stamp lot in town, here's a couple of things that I was thinking of today. To, and, and these would particularly be really neat things for families to do. and And one would be to raise some chickens. Uh, I just talked with Karen Creek, my wife, about this, and we were thinking about maybe putting together a just a basic course on how to raise chickens for outdoor core. But it's, yeah, interesting, it's easy, it's productive, it's a step towards independence. It's a connection. What I find that it does is it's a connection between you know our my family's food source and the land. And right now, and the reason I was thinking of this because I was having some quiet time earlier and we have four new chickens, four new layers that we have a a situation where they're actually contained in our living room. So they're, they're up there peeping while I'm doing my quiet time. And so that's a, that's something to consider and it's easy. And this is a good time because places like uh, tractor supply and other places actually have chicks because they always seem to come right around Easter. And they're encouraging because it's it's kind of like a little life, and it's it's kind of like one of those encouraging things that just connects us to something very positive that you know is is going to help out
1: in the future. Oh yeah, they're so cute when they're little chicks. They're so freaking cute. It's ridiculous. I just I always wanted just like to swim in a pool of little baby chickens. You know, the same can be said about a raised bed garden that oh, the, the, yeah. the, everything you've just described, you know, if you don't want something live, you know, that you have to like watch out for a raised bed garden, you know, it w- would be a really neat project that fulfills a lot of those same, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic values that David just talked about.
0: And let's just say somebody lives really urban you know, in an urban situation and all they have is is just a small porch or a deck or, or even a, sure. a south facing window, they could do a container garden. That's a great idea. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's just a small raised bed for
1: sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we
0: have a garden, we have raised beds and then we have some containers that we can move around. So that's, that's fantastic. Craig, what do you got there?
2: I'd be, I mean, I was going to throw in the raised bed garden, actually, and Creek just stole my thunder, but I mean, that's <laughs> a fantastic suggestion, man. It's. It, I mean, even when I was in college and I was living in a dorm room, I raised a tomato plant and I had fresh tomatoes just to give me some sort of semblance of home, and hung a hung a bucket out my window of my dorm room. So, I mean, any. I mean, it's just such a good thing to be able to get your own fresh food. I've been
1: working on a. Uh, you know, I've long wanted. I grew up. Um, I grew up, and my mom always had a bunch. We raised strawberries my mom had always had a really nice strawberry patch and I've never, I've never planted strawberries personally. And so the mm. past couple of weeks I've been building one of these little multi-tiered strawberry mound things, you know, nice. that I've been working yeah. on cause I've been, cause I've been buying strawberries at the grocery store, but I swear they're just so bitter. They must just have pesticides on them or something because you know, the strawberries I'm used to, they're just not bitter, you know, they're sweet and they're sweet and succulent and, these just taste bitter. It's so weird, but I'm looking for it. I'm taking, you know, Craig's advice and I'm building a little raised bed, um, strawberry patch, you know? Nice. So that's Man. one thing I've been working on.
2: That You're makes me want to do it now too. I haven't had any fresh strawberries in a while. That sounds fantastic.
1: I know. That's what I thought. God, I'm I be. hope, I don't know if I can possibly, you know, get some growing before June, but I'm going to try.
2: If I remember correctly, Creek, I, I, and I'm I could be wrong about this. I was thinking that first year they don't bear.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I mean, sure they don't.
2: I'm sure it depends Probably. upon the strain that you get. What are we saying, David?
0: Normally they don't. It's the second year, and what yeah. I was going to throw in here, Creek, because we've raised strawberries also. Be careful that yeah. second year if you have any raccoons, they will they will come the night before they're absolutely perfect and wreck <laughs> your garden. I'm speaking oh, from man, experience. We definitely have raccoons. <laughs> we definitely have raccoons,
1: man. I have a gooseberry bush and they ravage that. It's literally like last year. I literally looked at the gooseberries and it was loaded, man. And I looked at that gooseberry bush and I said, you know what? Tomorrow, man, I'm picking these. <laughs> Don't tomorrow. do that. And dude, dude, dude! That <laughs> night, it looked like somebody ran over that gooseberry bush with a skid steer. I mean, I can't no even joke. imagine what those coons did to that thing. They like trampled
2: uh,
1: it. Oh man, no joke.
0: Well, I've got another one here, and this is this takes a little bit of study. But creek, or uh, yeah, we've talked about this last year. I've I've raised bees, bees like buzz, buzz bees, for years. They're fantastic, fascinating creations. And so last year, this time of the year, I decided to start shooting a course that is basically the life, you're in the life of a new beekeeper. So I'm hoping to put that together, get that up on Outdoor Core too. But beekeeping is fascinating. People can, can get a book. They can find some stuff on YouTube, look for the course at some point in the next, I'm going to say, several weeks on Outdoor Core. But you can get, Right now on Amazon, you can go and you can get a a basic hive kit set up, Mm -hmm. get a book. Uh, Bees are a little tough. You want to maybe get with your county extension if you can get them or find out, find an apiary somewhere nearby. We just happen to have one that's about, I'm friends with the folks up there at at Draper Bees. And uh, order a package of bees and just kind of learn as you go. Bees are fascinating and you can do those in a small space too
1: ooh neat! That's awesome.
0: What else guys outdoor core i mean here's here's a couple. take a course, learn a skill, right? start a business. we've talked yeah, about that uh,
1: absolutely absolutely. There's some cool courses on there right now. you know we've only been up and running now for about four i don't know maybe five months or so. And but we've got some really great courses with some super talented instructors, you know, way more talented than myself. You know, I mean, every course I seem to load on the platform, I'm like, dang, I really need to take this course. No, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I need to learn this skill. You know, Craig's got some awesome courses on there. Dave, this guy, Dave Mead, who's a bowyer, He's got some really cool courses. We've added some really neat instructors recently with just some really neat courses. If you're, if you're, if you're bored at home and you're wanting to pick up some, some, like they're actual, we teach actual skills. So it's like, go out and do a skill. So there's some neat stuff on there for sure. And there's a little something for everybody right now. And it's only growing every day. I think we're currently working with another, I mean almost 50 instructors right now in course development and um, so there's we're adding them all the time yeah and the
0: the 14 I think there's actually I think there's a couple of bonus courses last night when I checked there's 16 courses in the 14 day quarantine kit and I was Like I, I just went to the first one and I think uh, it's Joel who, who does the, the nets. I I became fascinated with that. I'm like, I've got to, I'm just, I know the
1: time and do that one (laughs) to start. It's a great, that's a great course. That was one I watched and I was like, dang, I need to like learn this. I mean, (laughs) I should know this by now. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a great thing over outdoor core, the quarantine
0: summit. You guys go pick that up and Creek. Do you remember what the discount code was for folks?
1: Yeah, survival show 14 survival and show that'll 14. give you the discounted price as if you were as if you'd purchased it during the quarantine.
0: And that's over at outdoorcore.com. That's a great thing. Look at starting a business. Um I, we won't get into this much creek, but I I remember way back when you were going to do some sort of a course like that, but
1: Yeah, I mean, i have I've, I've 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 just finished the kind of the the beginnings of it. If you're interested in if you're an outdoor enthusiast and you, and you have a desire to turn your hobby or your passion into a full-time business, um, then I'd love to share with you how I do it. Um, and you can find out more about that at survivalceo.com.
0: Oh, okay. So you've, you've got that up. I know we had been yep. talking about it yep. like two years ago. So that's cool. I'll have to check that out too. And here's a simple one for our regular Survival Show podcast listeners. Get the tiny guide out. I was just thinking about this today, Craig. Where if if people would get the Tiny Survival Guide out or get themselves one, we're we're doing our best to keep them stocked on Amazon and at tinysurvival.com. And just go through that. Start in the beginning or wherever you're interested. There's like two-minute tips all over the place. Pick out a, a tip. Mm-hmm. Pick out a skill. Pick out – learn a knowledge thing. And then there's there's all kinds of activities and all kinds of of skills that people can learn just from that. If if you all that are listening would just take that and spend maybe ten minutes a day and pick up a new skill, try new, you know, make yourself a a bird trap or something out of the guide. uh, That would be fantastic. You, I can't
1: can't believe. Yeah, go ahead. I can't believe how much you guys packed into that. I mean, it's incredible. That could be an entire, that could be an entire outdoor course in and of itself, just going through the tiny survival guide, you know, that's an, I mean, it's packed full of information. Anything else,
0: Craig, anything else that you can think of that is positive, productive, moves people towards being prepared more in the future, more self-reliant, connected with the land in a positive way?
2: I think the big thing that I can just sitting here, I'm trying to process because it's my responsibility to come up with some action steps, right? In the notes. (laughs) And well, I mean, there's so much that I don't really know where to begin other than this. This is where I can think of beginning is that somebody said something today, whether it was Creek or David or myself, that you were like, oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Then what you need to do as soon as you're done listening, this podcast is go tell somebody else. Tell somebody else what you got out of the podcast today. That would be incredibly helpful. Obviously, we've thrown together all sorts of different pieces of content, whether it's the tiny survival guide that we always intended of being a resource, both as a uh, checklist, if you will go down. Hey, this is what I need to be doing. Or hey, this is what I need to be doing right now, <laughs> kind of thing. So check out the Tiny Survival Guide. Obviously, pick one of those up. I just, I have, I have become so confident about what we put in the Tiny Survival Guide through this process that I, I feel really good about it. That uh, I just feel even more emboldened to tell people about it. You know, we got a lot of grief over that because when, when am I going to be able to you in in the midst of a survival situation? When am I going to be able to read a guide like this? This is it. Yeah, (laughs) this is it. This is a perfect example of what we intended that guide to be is a training tool as well as a reference tool uh, at this time. So my two big ones is whatever your takeaway was today in your mind, go tell somebody else. Tell somebody in your home, a friend, somebody that you work with, and that way you can expand the, the insight that you gathered from it and we can spread the love.
0: That's great, guys. Is that it, guys? Yeah, I think that was that this was really enjoyable. It was helpful for me, and I hope it was helpful for you guys. So, Craig, you want to take us on out of here?
2: Yeah, guys. Creek, anything before I take us out of here?
1: Anything no, man. Else? You guys, you guys, be safe, and same to everybody listening. And this too shall pass. Oh, one more thing, C- Creek. Could you just tell people
0: the various means they can get in touch with you and and figure you know check out all the stuff you're doing
1: sure you know it's real simple it all starts at CreekStewart.com, and if you're at home and you don't have a bug out bag i have a free five-day bug out challenge where you can build a bug out bag in five days with the stuff you've got laying out at home and that's a really
2: great place to get started at uh at the website there fantastic appreciate you creek it's been good uh having you on again as always really appreciate everything that you do Mm -hmm. likewise likewise always an honor please
0: come back again creek
2: Will do.
1: I'm going to charge a lot more the next time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys and gals, subscribe to the podcast now. It's absolutely totally free to do that. That way you ensure that you don't miss out on this information or any episodes. Many thanks to each of you who have already done that. We can't thank you enough for all of our subscribers and followers and everybody that follows the podcast and Shares that on social media. Do that. Do that right now. You found something here that was helpful. Share this on social media with somebody that you know can get something out of it as well. And let me emphasize again, how many people can you help today by sharing this podcast on your social media platform? And that just just expands exponentially, just like this COVID virus. What we can do is share information like this and other pieces that you find helpful with other people and exponentially grow the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear of everybody around us. It's really easy. Just click the share button or copy the link, post on Facebook or Twitter, text it to those you care about, and we really appreciate and thank you in advance for doing so. We do this to help you, and that way when you do those sharings, you are doing what you can to help others. And the ones you care about now don't forget go over to the survival show.com website free stuff over there tiny survival guys as we've said several times i think that's it everybody listen up thanks for listening we appreciate you we'll see you next time on the survival show podcast keep it simple be positive and stay sharp